What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer, and you're listening to Christianity Now. I am lacking a guest. I don't have Aaron Dotson. He's not a guest. He's a co-host. Anyway, uh, Christianity Now is the podcast where we talk about the uh, timely issues through the timeless truth of God's Word. We have a verse that we read, um, verse 32 of chapter 12 of First Chronicles. And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times, to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. The idea is David was needing some guidance. There were uh, needing some help. All of the children of Israel, all of the twelve tribes, sent helpers, and they all had things that they could do themselves. And the contribution of the sons of Issachar was that they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. We need to have understanding of the times to know what the church ought to do. And that's what Christianity Now is all about. So I edited out the first part of this because I was lacking my co-host and I was lost. And uh, you're going to go into me talking about how I've got a video. So hopefully you enjoy this. Hopefully you subscribe and hopefully you support the podcast. Check the show notes for that. And we hope you enjoy this episode of Christianity Now, powered by DigitalBibleStudy.org on the Cogitations podcast channel. But I do have a video here for you today, and it's about something Aaron and I, Aaron and I have talked about. Um, it comes up every once in a while when we're studying the words of Jesus. The, uh, the accusation is thrown around by Christendom that Jesus never... Uh, claim to be the son of God. I'm like, okay, well, well that's just wrong. Uh, the, or never claim to be God, rather, uh, deity. And that's just wrong. And people kind of jump through some hoops in order to get that way. And this uh, topic for today's show has come from some stuff that I've seen. We're coming up on holiday season where uh, the world is going to be thinking about Jesus more and maybe differently than they would normally think. They're more open to uh, having conversations about religion and, and things relating to Christianity. And I think we ought to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves, and we ought to be uh, equip ourselves, at least, to be able to talk to see these people who normally wouldn't give us the time of day when it comes to talking about uh, religious topics, such as the deity of Christ. Like, for instance, uh, when it comes Christmas time and there's people in your in your circle of influence that are throwing up a Christmas tree and putting a nativity scene out in the yard, instead of beating them up on, over the head and telling them how terrible they are, say, hey, man, that's awesome that you're paying homage to uh, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's talk about who he really is. Uh, I would love to have you for this holiday season your family come over to my family's house. We'll have a meal, and after the meal, we'll have a little uh, devotional, and we'll study a little bit about who Jesus really was. Man, that's that, that's some that's like some ninja stuff right there. That's awesome. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But this video kind of, when I saw it on TikTok, I'm like, hey, man, that's cool, because probably in the last couple of months, this has come up two or three times, where... People would accuse, like we would be talking about the divinity of Christ, and we would be reading something in the Bible, and I would say to Aaron, "Hey, you know, our Jehovah's Witness, our Jehovah's Witness 
uh, friends in the world would would claim that that Jesus didn't mean what he said here, or um, they claim that Jesus never never stated that he is God in the flesh. But yet, this particular passage right here flies in the truth of that. If you can get somebody to admit what Jesus is actually what Jesus is actually uh, saying. All right. That being said, let's let's get into this. Let me let me go. Uh, oops, nope. That's invite guest. Uh, I need to add a source, local video, and it needs to be from the Christianity Now. There it is. All right, bear with me in as I get Bible, this set Jesus. up. Let me diminish me and bring this to the, well, come on. There we go. All right. So you've seen a video from this creator. Um, right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at Barry Odette's comment. <laughs> some, some ninja stuff right there. May I use that? Yes, you may use that. It's awesome. Um, and incidentally, for those of you that are here, um, good morning, Wayne Vaughn, Jonathan Exum, Brandon Dreschner, um, Barry O'Dell, obviously, and Holly Hamilton. Good to see everybody. Good morning to you. And I'm so glad you're here. So this video that we've got today, um, it's, it's from a creator that's a pretty good theologian. He misses the mark, obviously, on God's true church. And and what must I do to be saved? But man, he's so good right down the line up until you get to to stuff like that. But anyway, let's let's get right in here. I want I want you to we'll just dive into this video. Never directly calls himself God, not even once. All right, let me in, back the Bible, this up. Jesus never directly calls himself in the Bible, Jesus never directly calls himself God. Not even once. If Jesus claimed to be God, don't you think that that would have been a pretty important part to include in the Gospels? Now listen to this. In Numbers 23.19 and Hosea 11.9, the Bible says that God is not a man nor a son of man. All right, I'm going to stop there. Notice what he said in the beginning. This is called poison in the well. He said, Jesus never claims to be God. Don't you think that if Jesus claimed to be God, that that would be pretty important and it would be included in the Gospels. Well, that's, that's begging the question. That's, that's poisoning the well. That's, that's making a statement on the assumption that that's, that's getting the person. This is a rhetorical tool. The people that are listening to this video are already being groomed to assume that this, this information is not in the, the Gospels because he's saying, hey, this never, this never uh, happens. Don't you think if it did happen, it would be really important to put there? You're having to assume that this guy's telling the truth about the lack of this data that is in the Gospels. The problem is, this data is is in the Gospels. If you if you interpret rightly what Jesus claims on more than one occasion. He absolutely, without question, claims to be God in the flesh. So let's let's keep going here. Anyway, we're going to a couple of verses in the Old Testament, and this dude's going to do some hermeneutical gymnastics. But Jesus is said to be a man and a son of man all throughout the New Testament, like John 8.40, Acts 2.22, Timothy 2.5, 
Matthew 16, 27. In fact, Jesus often seems to outright deny that he's God, like in Luke 18, 19, where Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And John 14, 28, where he says, my father is greater than I. So how can God be greater if they're the same? The historian Bart Ehrman, who was once an evangelical Christian said, during his lifetime, Jesus himself didn't call himself God and didn't consider himself God. And none of his disciples had any inkling at all that he was God. If Jesus was explicitly God, it would have been said everywhere in the Bible, but it's not said anywhere. There's another issue I have. If Jesus claimed to be God, it would be explicitly stated in the Bible, and it's not stated anywhere. Well, now, wait a second. In fact, let me, let me rewind that just a little. If Jesus was explicitly God, it would... Yeah, yeah, that, I, I said that wrong. If Jesus was explicitly God... It would have been said everywhere. It would have been said everywhere in the Bible, but it's not said anywhere in the Bible, but it's not said anywhere. Okay. First off, that's, that's again, that's poison in the well. If Jesus were explicitly God, the idea is if Jesus were, he's not. If he were, it would be said in the Bible, everywhere in the Bible. Here, it, it denies the fact it designs the authority of scripture. If Jesus is explicitly God, it only needs to be a necessary inference. It doesn't need to be explicitly stated. Now, here's the thing. My conviction is that it is explicitly stated. And I'm going to show you this in John uh, chapter 8. But Anyway, the, the idea the idea here is this guy is denying the authority of the scriptures. How many times would the scriptures have to state a thing in order for a thing to be true? Well, if all scriptures given by the inspiration of God, then one, one time. You could have you instead of sixty-six books of the Bible, you could have a thousand and sixty-six books of the Bible. And only one thing ever be said about Jesus' deity. And, and, and Jesus would be deity. It's kind of like baptism. You know, a lot of people say, well, the Bible just doesn't talk a whole lot about baptism. You're right, it doesn't. But where it talks about baptism, it tells us what baptism does. It delivers you out of the power of darkness and translates you into the kingdom of God's dear son, Colossians 1.13. It washes away your sin. Uh, uh, why tarriest thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord, Acts 20 through 16. Uh, the, 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 the first people that ever obeyed the gospel were told to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Uh, the baptism is, 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 is a, a death, burial, and resurrection, and we're supposed to be dead, buried, and resurrected with Christ. And that's the only way to get in Christ. That's Galatians 3 and Romans 6. So, no, there's never, there is never an explicit statement of from Jesus saying, I am deity in the flesh. That explicit statement does not exist. But my 
my, my, my contention is it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to at all. Now, let's watch a little bit here, and, and then I'll, I'll, I'm going to offer my explanation, and I'm going to let this guy on the left talk just a little bit because he does a pretty good job, y'all. Not even once. All right, boom. So we're going to stop there. Bear with me. Um, let me. Let me come up here for a minute. Now you can see me and focus on me. Now check this out. Remember, if Jesus were God, it would be explicitly stated in the Gospels many, many times. I put forth to you that with the authority of Scripture, it only has to be stated once, and it only has to be implicit. In other words, it has to be a necessary inference. Let me let me let me show you in 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 John chapter eight. And in fact, Jonathan Exum has put up some verses here. It's pretty good. Um, in fact, this Thomas, uh, quoting Thomas, my Lord and my God, um, the the guy on the left here that's debunking this guy's video, he brings up that. He brings up Thomas uh, saying, my Lord and my God. Uh, what else did Jonathan put up? Yeah, John, John 8, 24, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. All right, so unless you believe that I am, that's an I am statement. And I am who or I am what? You have to believe in the existential nature of God in the flesh. That's the idea of, of, of the book of John. Um, and John 20, 27 through 28, uh, yeah, bring your finger here and see my hands. Bring your hand here and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. And of course, Thomas, ne- I, 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 I conjecture that those wounds, you know, you see Jesus, uh, pictures of Jesus and stuff after the resurrection, and he has a hole in his side, and he has a hole in, holes in his hands and his feet. I don't believe Jesus walked around with the wounds of the resurrection or with the wounds of the, of the crucifixion. Because that would be a way to deny the miracle of the resurrection. The miracle of the resurrection has to be undeniable. And if if you see somebody hanging up on a cross, and then you see them buried, and then you see them walking around a few days later, and they're bearing the marks, the wounds of that crucifixion, what are you going to say? Well, they never died. They were just almost dead. They were just mostly, just like that movie, The Princess Bride. He's not dead. He's just mostly dead. Now, mostly dead's hard to bring him back from, but we can bring him back because he's not dead. If he were all the way dead, we couldn't do anything. Well, that, that, that's what you could say about Jesus. Well, the, here's Jesus walking around with the scars of his, of his, of his crucifixion. Well, that, that means that he... Under underwent the natural healing process. That means it's not miraculous. So anyway, just something for you to think about. I don't make a test of fellowship over that. Um. Anyway, so let let's go here. This this is in in my opinion. This is the most decisive. Um. Claim. That's it. Jerry Clyer was, gra- I mean, Jerry Clyer. Jesus was graveyard dead. That's it. And, and like I said, if, if Thomas, if Thomas would have seen the scars, Thomas would have said, oh, you didn't really die. 
you're just mostly dead and, and you got healed up. All right. Thank you, Douglas Connerly. And all right, let, let's get in here. John chapter 8, verse 12. Listen to this. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Folks, let me tell you something. Right here, this is Jesus. He might as well use the English words, I am God. Why do I say that? This happened during the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was designed to put the children of Israel in remembrance of the time they wandered in the wilderness with the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of smoke by day. During this feast, they were to live for a week in tabernacles, in tents. And they had these little, these little um, um, lamps, these oil lamps, and they would light them, and the light reminded them of the guidance they received in the wilderness. Now, question, did the light represent that was God, that was God with them? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In, in the context of a feast in which Jehovah God was the light. You see where I'm getting at there? In other words, in the feast, God is the light. Jesus, in the middle of the feast, says, I am the light. What, you, what you're thinking of as the light right now is Jehovah God. I am that light. I am, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. If, if you're honest with what this text says, there's no way that you could ever say Jesus did not claim that I am the Son of God, that I am God in the flesh. Also, when you go to John chapter 5, go read the account of the man of the pool of Bethesda. He says, don't you want to be whole? And the man says, well, I have nobody to take me to the pool when the water stirred up. He said, how about this? Just take up your cot and walk. And the man did. And when the, when the leadership found out, I, I should say other than Pharisees, when the, when the Jewish leadership found out, I think of the Pharisees, they came to Jesus. Jesus claimed that he was a son of God, and the text reads something very interesting. The text reads, and not only, or, and, and the Jews sought all the more to kill him because not only had he violated the Sabbath, but he claimed to be the Son of God, making himself equal with God. What does it mean to be equal with God? It means divinity. The Jews knew exactly what it meant for Jesus to claim to be the Son of God, for Jesus to claim equality with God, it meant that Jesus was claiming divinity. So this foolishness, this, this foolish accusation, well, Jesus never explicitly states, I am God in the flesh. He doesn't have to. He's stating, I'm the Son of God. The Jews knew exactly what he meant. That's why they wanted to kill him. They didn't pick up stones to kill him because they thought he was just another lunatic. That's like that's that's the reason why atheists don't go after the Quran or 
the Hindu scriptures or Grimm's fairy tales for that matter. So, uh, that's it. Yeah, Jonathan said, uh, is denying Jesus as God what the Gnostics were doing? Here's the thing. I don't believe in, the, in Colossae there were actual Gnostics. I believe the Colossian heresy, as scholars call it, is the precursor. It's like, it's like Gnosticism uh, 0.0. Or, or actually, the Colossian heresy is ground zero. And Gnosticism is like the Colossian Heresy 2.0. If, 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 if my understanding is correct. But but you're on the right track. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's pre-Gnosticism. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's the seed into which or from which the the tree of Gnosticism would would spring. And it denies the deity of Christ. Like that's the basic tenet. It denies the deity of Christ. So anyway. Um, yeah, so I, I like John chapter, somebody said John chapter one, verse one does it for me and, and it should, it should do it for anybody in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. Not anything that was made was made without the word. The same was in the beginning with God. And you go down to verse 14, which should be a very in your face statement. Like if you're in the first century and you're in a in a congregation, you're hearing John one read aloud. The the beginning gets you like, oh, what the word the word was with God. The word was God. Not anything was made was made without the word. Wow. And then you kind of trail off a little bit. But when verse fourteen hits, buddy, you're you're back to paying attention. What you mean? The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah. Yeah, all, all of these religions that are around you that claim deity puts on flesh and walks among us. You got Zeus that changes into all manner of animals and, and goes on all kinds of sexual escapades and has all kinds of... Yeah, let me tell you what really happened. The Word, the divine Logos became incarnate. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Folks, that's powerful. There's no denying the deity of Jesus, not, not in any real way. You can't be any kind of scholar and deny the deity of Jesus. Let's look at our... Yeah, the Christian cannot doubt the Godhead or Godhood of Jesus. Uh, Jesus claimed his own divinity. If he was not God, then he was the greatest imposter and most heinous liar this world has ever known. You've got that right. Now, let's finish this out. I want to listen to the way this guy breaks down this scripture or breaks down this video. He does a better job of it than I would have. Um, I like this guy. I, I wish I could study with this guy. I ain't going to lie to you. Anyway, let's go. Do we have any good reasons from the Bible for thinking Jesus is God? This guy doesn't think so, and he gives a couple reasons why. First, he quotes two Old Testament verses which say God is not a man. Then he turns to some New Testament verses which say Jesus is a man, and well, checkmate Christians. 
Not so fast. Those Old Testament passages do not preclude the incarnation. In the incarnation, God's divine nature didn't transform into a human nature. Rather, the Word remains fully God while adding a human nature to himself in the person of Jesus. So Jesus is fully divine and fully human, but the divine nature is not the human nature. Second, he cites Luke 18. This is what he just alluded to there. Uh, let me go to First Timothy chapter three. I think. Let's see. Well, yeah, right here. Sorry. All right. Verse 14 is when I'm going to start reading. First Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. These things write, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So I think what Paul is saying here is like I'm going to say a, I'm going to say something that that is zero controversy. This 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 mystery of godliness is very great. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods that which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. I believe that's the that's Gnosticism, y'all. I, I believe I believe that's because the Colossian heresy as Jonathan alluded to earlier, uh, they were dealing with touch not, taste not, um, all of this good stuff. You know, go read Colossians chapter t- chapters 2 and 3. Paul directly deals with, in, in Jesus, what dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So all the fullness of deity was in human form. He was fully God and fully man. You cannot be over 100%. Jesus was. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. That's how he could be the mediator of a new covenant. That's why we have a covenant that is better than a suzerainty covenant, a covenant to the vassal. We actually have representation that can go to the negotiating, uh, the bargaining board, the bargaining table, rather, and, and bargain on our behalf. It's because Jesus is our, our advocate. God, 100% man, but it's a mystery. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I think that's why people, they have somewhat of an issue with it. The culmination of the worship of human beings centers on Jesus, the great God. Yes, it does. All right, let's keep going. 19, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. So he's dealing with this account of the rich young ruler when the rich young ruler says good master what what shall i do to to receive eternal life 
And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's none good but one, that is God. So he's dealing with that. I'm glad he did. Not alone. But Jesus isn't denying that he's God. He's asking the rich young ruler if he understands the implications of what he's saying. Which the implications of what the rich young ruler is saying is, you're a good master, you're a good teacher, and the only way you can be good is if you were also truthful, if you were also godly. Therefore, everything you're saying is true and godly, even when you claim to be the Son of God, even when you claim to be deity, even when you claim that you're the light of the world and all that that represents. So do you understand exactly what you're affirming whenever you say that I'm good? It goes back to First uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, I believe. No, 1-7, uh, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm. This young man didn't understand what he was affirming by what he was saying. Jesus was trying to highlight that. You know, you're, you're, you're saying that I'm godly, and I can't be godly unless I'm truthful. That means I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm the king of the Jews, although I'm not a king like anything y'all would ever want. By the way, Jesus called himself the good shepherd. Third, he cites John 14, 28, the father is greater than I, and asks, how can the father be greater if they're the same? But this question is confused. The father and the son are not the same person. This gets into that mystery of godliness. <laughs> the father and the son are not the same person. They do share the same attribute of deity. I like the way he explains this. Person. They're distinct persons within the one eternal God. That's why Jesus also says, I and the Father are one. So the Father is greater than the Son in his role, not in his divine nature. Okay, we've looked very briefly at these three objections, but what about evidence for Jesus being God? Here are six lines of evidence for why Christians believe Jesus is God. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to let this play. Um, he, he does a good job with this. And incidentally, for those of you that are, that are watching, be sure and share this with your friends. Uh, be sure and uh, help us promote this content and everything. Thank you so much. First, Jesus admits he's God. In John 8, the religious leaders ask Jesus about his identity. He says, before Abraham was, I am, ego I me in Greek. In response, they pick up stones to kill him. Why? Because I am is loaded with theological significance. In I lied. I'm not just going to let it play. The reason they picked up stones to kill him because they knew what he was claiming. Put yourself in the, in the, in the shoes of the Jews and, and try not to be so hard on them. They were hauled off for 70 years for two things, idolatry and not keeping the Sabbath, the Sabbath year, okay? So the land was going to get its 70 years of Sabbath. But they were also hauled off for idolatry, more than one God. They were so ashamed at this that the Valley of the Idols, the Hinnon Valley, whenever they come back from captivity, they started using the Valley of the Idols, the southern valley uh, of, of south of Jerusalem. They used it for a trash heap, and that became synonymous with the eternal punishment of the damned. So scornful and, and filthy and putrid was that trash heap and the fires that burned continually that it became a metaphor 
for eternal damnation. Jesus uses it. Uh, he, he the 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 place where the worm dieth not. When he talks about it's better to go into heaven lame than it is going to hell whole. The word hell there's Henon, the Gehenna, the the Henon Valley. So they they were ashamed of this time in their history where they served more than one God. So when they come back from captivity, they had a lot of problems. Read Nehemiah and um, and Ezra, Haggai and Zechariah. They dealt with uh, they, they dealt with polluting the bloodline. They dealt with uh, all sorts of things. But one thing they didn't deal with: they never served more than one God. Now they might have they might have fallen out of grace. They might have fallen out of favor. They might have not served God correctly, but they did not have more than one God. They got that idolatry problem fixed. And then you've got a, you've got a man born who rises to prominence. He seems like he can do some miracles. His disciples can do some miracles. And he starts claiming to be God and saying, you need to, you need to serve me. And they're like, well, yeah, you're saying that, but we've been down that path before. We know what serving more than one God looks like, and we know what it what happens to people who serve more than one God, and we're not going to serve you because we serve the one Jehovah God. So think about that. That's why the Jews took up stones and was going to kill him because he claimed to be the son of God. They knew exactly what that meant. So don't buy into this foolishness that Jesus never claims to be the Son of God. People understood exactly what he was claiming. That's why the Jews wanted to kill him. All right. In fact, Jesus applies the name of God recorded in Isaiah and Exodus to himself. Second, Jesus is addressed as God. Probably the most well-known passage is when Thomas addresses Jesus directly as my Lord and my God. Third, Jesus does the activities of God. In Mark 2, Jesus forgives sins committed against God. In response, the scribes say he's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Fourth, Jesus is adored as God. On multiple occasions, Jesus receives worship. For example, after supernaturally calming the storm, his disciples worshipped him. Fifth, Jesus has the aliases of God. Jesus is given the divine titles from the Old Testament, like Lord of Lords and the first and the last. And sixth, Jesus has the attributes of God. For example, the author of Hebrews applies Psalm 102, 25 to 27 to Jesus, which is a description of the eternal, changeless creator, Yahweh. Go look it up. These are the six different lines of evidence. In Individually, they provide evidence for the deity of Jesus, but taken together, they present a compelling case. All right. That, I, I thought that was a good video, and I, I think it made some... I wish Aaron was here. We could have had a good discussion about that. Um, let's go to John chapter 12. Let's look at verse 41. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Well, what were these things? Well, let's back up to verse 37. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, talking about Jesus, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom is the, has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, 
He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, so that I should heal them. Y'all, that's from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 10. In the context of Isaiah chapter 6, and I don't have a Old Testament within um within grasp. Let me go to my trusty, rusty e-sword here. Let's go all the way back to Isaiah. Come on, I can find it better in the Bible. Where are you, Isaiah? Right there. Isaiah 6, I'm going to start in verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord setting upon a throne. Oh, that's, hold on. I want to read from the King James. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord setting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, these are angels. Each one had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now, the word Lord here in the King James is capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. In most of your Bibles, it's a a, a capital L and then capital O-R-D but smaller. This this is used to denote the tetragrammaton. This is, if I go and look this up, this would be Jehovah, uh, the existing one, the proper name of the one true God. It's unpronounced except with the vowel uh, pointings of H136, which is a Hebrew word, um, which, anyway, so let's, Let's look at the implications of that. This figure that Isaiah saw is called Jehovah. And then in the book of John, chapter 41, these things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. Who is the his and who is the him in Isaiah 41? The context is Jesus. Jesus is referred to as Jehovah. Why? Because he's deity and he has the right to that designation. Jesus is God. Well, Tony, you sound an awful lot like you're getting into the oneness Pentecostal doctrine. No, I'm not. End of of discussion. (laughs) Great is the mystery of godliness. You got two persons sharing the same attribute of deity. The Son of God is God in the flesh. The Word made flesh and dwelt among us. And we see that in John very easily. In fact, the book of John was written to uh, to deal with a particular doctrine, a Gnostic doctrine of a certain Serenthus a scholar in Greek in Greece at the time. Anyway, that's that's really all I've got here. Good good comments uh, in the comment section. Um, yeah, Titus chapter two verse thirteen is good. Romans one three through four should be noted as well. Yeah, there, that's a thing. Any anybody that says there's not internal evidence from Scripture that Jesus is God in the flesh, 
or was God in the flesh when he was on earth, they just, they're, they're not, they're not reputable scholars. They, they don't, anyway, that, that's about all I can say about that. Um, well, that's all I've got for today, folks. Uh, just that one video. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy the content. It's always better when I've got Aaron as a guest, but I don't feel like we do near as good a job without him. And, uh, so anyway, you might, you might go to his two by two podcast channel and give it a like and a follow and let him know how much you missed him. Uh, he's nothing's wrong with him. He's just going to, to a doctor's appointment that he couldn't get changed. Don't worry. Nothing's wrong. Um, but, uh, that's about all I got to say. Consider supporting me as a podcaster. Uh, you can do that. If you're listening to this after the fact, you can, you can check the show notes. Uh, you can be a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. And, uh, that support goes directly to me. And, uh, anyway, that's, that's all I've got here. Uh, thank you so much for your kind attention. Be sure and share the Christianity Now podcast. And when you see the uh, Cogitations uh, podcast, this is uploaded rather on the Cogitations podcast channel. And um, be sure and uh, check it out there and share it with your friends. And uh, that's all I've got here. Uh, we're going to be signing off. This has been Tony Brewer with Christianity Now. Uh, missing our co-host, Aaron Dotson. And we'll catch y'all on the flip side.